I'm Kathy Haug. Good morning, I am Karen Carballo. And together we're going to be opening this morning in prayer and in scripture as we start our new Advent series called Kneeling to Flourish in Love. So at this time, would you stay standing as we pray the Lord's Prayer? Um, Karen will first pray for us in Spanish, and then we'll all pray together in English. Let's pray. Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre. Venga tu reino. Hágase tu voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo. Danos hoy nuestro pan cotidiano. Perdónanos nuestras deudas como también nosotros hemos perdonado a nuestros deudores. Y no nos dejes caer en tentación, sino líbranos del maligno. Porque tuyo es el reino, el poder y la gloria. Por los siglos de los siglos. Amén. And now let's pray together the Lord's Prayer in English. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning again from both of us. Um, we are excited this morning to kick off this Advent series. And um, our focus in these weeks is a part of the larger invitation to our church body to be a people who are flourishing in love. So love for God, love for neighbor, and love ultimately for the world. And you might have seen as you walked in this morning, there were some bookmarks um, on the entry table. If you didn't get one on the way in, you can get one on the way out. That are talking about a little bit of a rule of life that we're hoping to engage in together over these Advent weeks and into the new year. And I'll talk a little bit more about this, but essentially um, there's some invitations for us in our inner life um, with God and in the ways that we do relate to neighbor and to the world that we'll come back to later. And this is a special season because um, ultimately it is a time when the global church is really, so much the global church is engaged in this season of anticipation and waiting and looking forward to Christmas. And so we're thinking about our neighbors here and also around the globe. And we remember that this is the time as we go toward Christmas, we're remembering that gift of love that God gave in his son, that it was a gift for the world, the scripture tells us. Um, and as we look actually to the return of Christ, to his coming again, that will be for the flourishing of all creation, right? That culmination in Christ's return. And so there's a couple of ways that we're going to engage in this series around those ideas. And one is we're going to be in what are called the lectionary texts of Matthew. And basically what that means is churches around the world um, often are using the same text. So you could go into thousands of churches around the world and they'd be studying the same passages that we're going to be looking at in our Advent series. So that's one thing. And then each week also a member of our community is going to be praying um, in another language, their first or heart language, um, or a second or third language that they've picked up from their life experiences. 
And um, part of this morning, we wanted to linger a little bit. Karim and I are going to have a little conversation. We're going to hear some of Karim's story and what Advent means to, to you. Um, and part of our heart is that that will kind of root us in that larger expectancy and perspective for this season. So um, we remember ultimately that, that even the picture, you know, maybe you set up your nativity scene if you were getting ready for Advent this week, right? That actually the nations come, and at Epiphany, even the kings of the world, they come and they kneel before Jesus at the manger. And the picture in Revelation um, at the return of Jesus is that actually there will be another throne. There will be kneeling around the throne of the Lamb again. And in John's account of that revelation, it's so interesting. It first says that he sees his own people, right? He sees members of the tribes of Israel and Judah. But then it says he pans out, and all of a sudden he sees a multitude that no one can count from every tribe or people group, every language, culture, and nation bowing before this returned Jesus. And I love how John writes about that. And, and even this picture of as the people, the kings kind of from afar come to this holy city, this new Jerusalem, that all of the gifts that he's given to these unique people groups around the world come back as a glory to God. And so we're going to talk about the gifts of the world. We're going to talk about how to neighbor with one another, even as we prepare to kneel before Jesus afresh. And so that's kind of our heart this morning. And I know for me, um, one of the places that, that I learned a lot and was discipled about um, the global church and what it means to neighbor is actually a conference. Um, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Carmen and I were just talking about our family story, and her daughter actually works, has worked for campus ministry as well, so we were talking about that. Um, and here's a picture actually from Urbana. This is InterVarsity's missions convention. And I'm kind of curious, has, who in the room has been to an Urbana? Are there a few of us? There's some? Okay. There's some of us who've been to an Urbana. I've talked this week to someone who went to Urbana 53, 57, 67, 80 something, 96, and 2000. So I've been talking to folks who've been to Urbanas and discipled. And you can kind of see here that we were worshiping here with our sister movement from Mexico, Compa. And this is the first place I, I sang in like a dozen different languages. And we were hearing stories from people around the globe. Um, and so I just remember thinking, wow, it's so humbling to realize you're not at the center of, the church is big, right? And we're not at the middle of it. Um, and there are so many stories and experiences to be heard. And there's also an urgency in God's mission to the world. And that's kind of what our text is going to get into. But first, we get to hear from Karm. So, um, Karim has been an incredible gift to our family and this church for many years. She has discipled and taught all of my kids. Um, and so many, many years, over a decade of serving a Pella Christian in the Spanish Immersion Program. And Karim, we would just love to hear, you know, would you share a few highlights, kind of the shape of your story up to this point? So I was born in El Salvador a long time ago. <laughs> uh, um, and it was very special, and God has a purpose for everybody. And, um, but in my case, I was privileged to have born in a Christian home, especially that my parents were not Christian before I was born. And then um, my dad took, you know, a low point in his life that he felt that he needed to turn his life to God. 
And um, it was a blessing that my parents, before they conceived me, they prayed. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to have a child um, and raise this child in God's word. So, um, and I also went to a Christian school. I was part of the church. But there was a point in my life that when I was, you know, Growing up, I feel, oh, I go to the church because my parents take me mm -hmm. to church. So, and um, I grew up in a church where the pastor, after the message, uh, he um, made the call. Right. You know, they uh, asked if someone would like to turn their life to Jesus Christ. And at that time, I was married with my first child, and I feel that I had to turn my life to God, even though I grew up in a Christian home, I went to a Christian school, but uh, I had to make that decision yeah. for myself. Mm -hmm. So um, in one morning, the pastor, you know, asked, and I stand up, and like, even the people who were praying for me say, what is going on here? <laughs> You've you been know? here every week, what's happening? <laughs> yes. yeah. um, so, and that make my life a change because I define myself that I belong to God. Mm. I am a daughter of the King of Kings. So, but I had to decide for myself. It not. It was not because my parents took me. It's because I wanted to be part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. And you have such an incredible legacy of faith now. Like a praying family for your family and your kids are now grown and have married both this summer right yes. it's been quite yes. a year and you and Jose met um when you were a student right and he was working and traveling yes. and yes. then tell us how you came to Iowa um my husband uh, grew up in a rural area in El Salvador and I grew up in the city uh and the civil war came uh, and it hit the rural area, mm -hmm. and then so people have to emigrate to San Salvador City. Uh, and at that time, he lost three brothers in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And he came to a school where my dad was the vice pres um, principal. principal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when my dad learned about his story, he was in love with my husband because mm. he was a teenager. Uh, he lost his man when he was born. And then the fact that he knew that he was by himself trying to figure it out, to do a school, and my dad had a love for him. So I am seven years younger than my husband. At that time, I was eight years old. So when he came home, so... A uh, little early, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and then he he um, got open a door to be an international student in the United States. So he came and studied. And then when he graduated and he had a job, he was in charge of managing the business in Central America. So he came back to El Salvador. At that time, I was 22. So, and then... We'll allow that. <laughs> yes, not at eight years old. <laughs> uh, so, and then uh, when he came, uh, my dad was, you know, yeah. like so impressed. My, my mom was praying as we were talking mm -hmm. that my mom is a, a warrior and she was praying for my future husband. And so he came, so we married. And um, my husband lost his job and he started 
our business in California, but then uh, it was in the construction area, and then the construction came down in 2028. Yeah. So we were without job for three years. And my husband reached a couple of friends that he met at Cedar Rapids where he first came. And then uh, he got a job, and that's the reason uh, why we moved to Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. We lived there for three and a half years. And then he found out a job opportunity here in Pella one year before the Spanish Immersion Program <gasps> started. It's like so, the Lord had something, you know, hand in that yes, somewhere. Yes, it was like a puzzle <laughs> in here and there. So and when we moved to Pella, we had um, we wanted our kids to have a Christian education. The first place that we visited was Pella Christian. And then we met the former principal at that time, and he asked me, Karin, are you a teacher? And then I say, you know, I have always wanted to be a teacher, but I decided not to go to that path. But that has been always in my dream. And he said, you know, next year, we're going to start a Spanish immersion program. So, and then... Um, God opened, you know, the door, yeah. and I started doing a voluntary work uh -huh. um, because I depend on my husband's work visa, so I stay at the grade school for two or three mm -hmm. years as a volunteer in the preschool. Is where I met all your children. Yeah. So, um, and then wow. um, when, um, you know, we became residents, I became the preschool teacher, mm -hmm. and then I have been in Pella Christian for 11 years. The, the rest is history, as <laughs> yes. they say. Uh, um, well, you bring so many gifts to teaching, which I've seen as our kids have been under your leadership and to our community. Um, but I, you know, we talked about even this picture of the Lord giving gifts to people groups, to families in culture. Um, what would you say is a gift from your own cultural background and experience that you feel like has been from the Lord and, and is for others? Um, as I always say, like, for me, it's a privilege to have been, you know, a teacher in the school, and especially in a program when we teach not just the language, the culture. So, especially when I see those little ones, four years old, coming into the classroom, probably they haven't have experience to see someone that speaks different than mm -hmm. them, or they or they look different mm -hmm. than that. Just that, you know, I, I I like to see that the kids can open their eyes and see like the world is bigger. Yeah. You know, and um, and other thing is like we most of people from Latin America we are very expressive. <laughs> we like rhythm, so <laughs> we like to you know use our hands. So in in a way, I feel like um, I feel so comfortable here at third. You know, when people raise their hands when they are praising yes. the Lord, so I feel like I am home. So in that, I feel the the. The people who are around us, they can uh, feel that it's okay to express. Yeah. It's okay to express yeah. and it's okay to worship God in different ways yeah. too. And I, I feel as someone of European descent that this is not a gift of people, European peoples <laughs> primarily. And so I've been so discipled and mentored by Latino, Latino friends who have taught me about bringing more of my full self, my emotion, my heart, my body into my life with God and in relationship. So definitely a <laughs> gift. And 
a maestra karam like hug or smile will like cure you for a month. So um, I can attest that's a gift. Um, last question, Advent. What would you say Advent or the Advent season means to you? It was very, very nice to sing this song mm-hmm. that we were talking, Emmanuel, yeah. God with us. So when I think about Advent, is a time that we need to reflect and say, God, yeah. our Lord, he became human to be with us, yeah. to understand us, to save us, to forgive us. That is amazing. amazing. What a gift. And sometimes, like, we are so busy on looking for gifts because when we love, we love, we express our love many times giving something to someone. But when we think God is the gift of gifts, Mm -hmm. so he became human to be with us. Amen. So that is amazing. Amen. Yes, that'll preach. That's good. <laughs> I love that. And you, you said yesterday, I love, you talked about it as a big love. And it is. It's a big gift. It's a big love. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing. Can we thank Karim for sharing her story with us? And um, we'll hear more from Karim at the end with some of her ideas about how she's applying our text from today. So thank you for sharing and starting off our series so well. Um, we're going to actually, if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it now, and we're going to turn to our text for today, um, which I feel like even that conversation sets us up so well because there is an invitation in this week's text to be ready, right? We've already been singing and um, thinking about that idea, but we're going to turn to Matthew 24. As I said, we're going to be in all Matthew texts. We're going to be in Matthew 24, 36 to 44. Um, Oh, I did this wrong. Karim, come back up. Actually, I'm I'm so sorry. We're going to read this scripture for you together. Um, We're going to actually, you're going to hear it in English and in Spanish. Um, And so you can follow along. And we will read kind of back and forth so that you can hear the text Um, in both languages as we begin. So let me just, let me pray briefly as we listen to the word. Um, God, thank you. Thank you for your scripture, that it is a light for us. And as we hear it this morning, in multiple languages, and as people around the globe open your word, would you bring it to life for us, that we would love it, that we would be a people who are obedient and we would have soft hearts to hear you. Amen. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Pero en cuanto al día y la hora, nadie lo sabe, ni siquiera los ángeles en el cielo, ni el Hijo, sino solo el Padre. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. La venida del Hijo del Hombre será como en tiempos de Noé. Porque en los días antes del diluvio comían, 
bebían y se casaban y daban en casamiento. Hasta el día en que Noé entró en el arca y no supieron nada de lo que sucedería hasta que llegó el diluvio y se los llevó a todos. Así será la venida del Hijo del Hombre. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Estarán dos hombres en el campo, uno será llevado y el otro será dejado. Dos mujeres estarán moliendo, uno usará llevada y la otra será dejada. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Por lo tanto, manténganse despiertos, porque no saben qué día vendrá su Señor. Pero entiendan esto, si un dueño de casa supiera a qué hora de la noche va a llegar el ladrón, se mantendría despierto para no dejarla forzar la entrada. So, You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Por eso, ustedes también deben estar preparados, porque el Hijo del Hombre vendrá cuando menos lo esperen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Esta es la palabra de Dios. Gracias sea Dios. Amen. Thank you, God. All right, so Matthew 24. I want to just do a little bit uh, of an unpacking of this text for us and give some context before we think what are some ways that we could um, begin to enter Advent in a posture that honors God together. So a little bit of context first. If you have your whole Bible open, um, this actually comes in the middle of a longer conversation and events that are unfolding at the end of Matthew's gospel. So Jesus and his disciples have come to Jerusalem and it will be for the last time. He knows that he's coming to his eventual death. Um, but a lot is happening and a lot of action is taking place in the temple in the place of worship and a lot of conflict. The tensions are high. So Jesus has caused a stir as he's entered the city and everyone is saying, Hosanna and shout, you know, making a big deal. And he's in the temple. And if I, I can say it this way, Jesus is really throwing down with the religious leaders. He is getting right into it with them. And they're kind of testing him and trying to trick him. And he actually, right before this, goes into this corrective, exhortative rant where there's seven woes. He's like, woe to you, teachers of the law. Woe, woe, there's seven of them. This is not a good, this is not a good temple talk, right? Um, and so that happens. I'm imagining the disciples are a little uncomfortable with how that went down. But they leave, and if you look at the beginning of, of chapter 24, it says Jesus leaves the temple, he's walking away with his disciples, and he calls their attention to the building, to the structures of the temple. And he says to them, do you see these things? For truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. So it's a twofold meaning. He's referring to his own eventual, the destruction of his own body. But he's also prophetically pointing to the destruction. This temple will be raised to the ground in about 70 A.D., Okay, so he's making that statement. They're pondering it. They go off to the Mount of Olives and then the disciples kind of pull him aside privately and they're like, Jesus, tell us, when is this going to happen? 
And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then the rest of this conversation is answering that question that the disciples bring. When is this going to happen and what's it going to look like? And it's interesting because Jesus does give various signs. He indicates there will be signs that point to my return, to the end of this age. But when he gets to verse 36, which is our text, he says very clearly, but you don't know when it's going to happen. Right, so picking up at our verses in 36, it starts, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty interesting. Ultimately, it's like this is top secret. It is so mysterious that not even I know, Jesus is saying. Theologically, this is a little strange because we're like, how can Jesus not know? because he's God, right? And some manuscripts leave that out, but the older manuscripts do have it. And I think one, one thought that scholars say is that even though Jesus is divine in humility as he is in his human form, there are ways that he embraces some of the limitations of his humanity, even specifically becoming mortal, right? His mortality And in this case, at that time, even Jesus is like, I don't even know now. That doesn't mean he doesn't know now or he wouldn't ever know, right? But there is a sense of, he's like, this is so mysterious that no mortal can know. And not even the angels, only the Father. That's how secret it is. And he goes on and he uses this reference to their story, their people's story, right? As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, the people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, right? All of these normal, can I say good things, right, of life. They're going about their business. And they were taken by surprise. So that's kind of the reference there. And he goes on to say that's kind of how it's going to be. There's going to be two guys working in the field, And one of them will remain and one will be taken, right? There's two women grinding in the mill, doing their work. and One will be ready and one will not. Again, these are images of work, right? So the exhortation here is not that to be ready to be waiting does not mean that we stop the work and the joys of everyday life, right? We don't put up a, I don't know, a tent out at the lake, and we're waiting daily, right? Some people chose that ascetic path. But essentially, he seems to be normalizing that it's not necessarily about what you're doing outwardly. It's something inward that must be the difference, right? If outwardly, things look the same. So what is that inward readiness, that internal readiness that Jesus is talking about? I was thinking about how I have nightmares about not being prepared for things. It's one of the recurring themes of my nightmares. I don't know if some of you relate, but like, I'm in an exam and I haven't studied that nightmare. Or I'm at a performance and I don't know the lines or the songs. Um, A very important person has come to my home and I am in my pajamas. Like, there's a theme to many of my dreams and I think I might be a controlling person um, who likes to be prepared. Don't ask my husband. Um, But I sense this pattern, and there's part of me that I don't like not knowing the time, right? But 
it's interesting because, it, again, it doesn't mean that, you know, we are invited to stop the work of life. But I feel like God is pressing to saying, well, what does it mean to be internally ready, right? Even in the not knowing. And the planner in me, I will say, I've been stretched and mellowed by doing student ministry. Uh, so I work with college student ministry. And a lot of college students, some are very highly structured and prepared, and some are not. Uh, and so I actually was just thinking about a couple experiences this fall where I feel like the Lord is stretching my character and teaching me about just being ready. So I had a picture. We went and did a prayer walk up in Northwest Iowa earlier this semester, and we prayer walked at Northwestern and Dort and Northwest Community College. And the night before I left, I had one colleague you know, prepared to go with me. Um, and we were going to meet a student who was going to show us around. And by the next morning, there were eight people coming. And it was just this like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'll go. Like, there was a, literally a student who just got baptized that Sunday. And he's like, well, I don't have to work tomorrow. So yeah, can I come? We're like, okay, just come on in, you know. And that happens all the time in student ministry. I was going to a, a native student conference called Would Jesus Eat Fry Bread in Oklahoma just a couple weeks ago. And um, our campus um, area that I work with serves uh, one of the premier tribal colleges in Kansas in Lawrence called Haskell. And we were really praying for a car full of students. And the day before the conference, we had one person registered. But the staff of InterVarsity, um, Native IV, and Crew Nations were praying, and they felt like they should upgrade to a minivan and just pray that God would fill the minivan. They'd bring five students. And you, you see where this story might be going. It was amazing. Like this one student, just as a last-ditch effort, texted their friends. And they ended up having five students. Like, I don't know how that works. You could just drop your life for four days. But it happened. And it was beautiful. And I love it. These students were just something connected. They were hungry. They said, yeah, I'll go. And it was an amazing weekend together. And my question is like, ooh, am I ready like that? Like, am I so hungry and ready for Jesus to come and bring the flourishing of all creation and my fullness of life that I'm just ready and eager and welcome that? And that's what we get in touch with again in this Advent season. Ultimately, what we're getting in touch with is our humanity. I've said this before in here, but the words human or humanity and humility actually share a root, H-U-M. Um, that root word means of the earth, of the ground. Um, so the word humble, I mean, think about it. Literally, it just means to be of the ground. And humans are of dust, right? We're made from dust, and we return to dust. So to be a people who follow Jesus in humility to kneel before a manger, before the throne in the city of God, is to be a people who believe what God says about us. That at our core, we are of the earth, right? And it's only the power of God that revives us and makes us alive. And so Advent, my friends, I think it's a chance to join in that reality and to be like Jesus, and I love one of the best texts about humility. There's so many good ones, but Philippians 2, it's often called the Christ hymn. And it talks about 
Um, that, you know, if we have this encouragement from Christ, the shared love and spirit, if we have any of that, which we do, we're exhorted to remember and in humility value others above ourselves. Not looking only to our own interests, but to the interests and needs of others. And to have the same mindset of Christ as we relate to each other, who, Paul writes, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be taken and used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the reality that is coming. When Christ returns, every knee will bow. And in this life, as we wait, and as we prepare to receive Christ again, we practice that reality now. As we kneel and we walk in humility with one another, as global neighbors, right? And even as physical neighbors, we kneel together in humility and love. And that is a worship to God. So I'm going to invite Karen back up, um, and the worship team can also begin to make their way up. Um, I, I want to ask, you know, just a couple of questions about how Karma is applying this text and give a, just a couple of quick ideas for us um, as we're thinking about how to begin in this Advent season. Um, so, Karma, we talk about humility and even humbling experiences form us. Um, I'm curious if you'd be willing to share a way that God has formed you through an experience of humility? Um, as I said, um, in order for me to become a teacher, I had to go to school again because I had another career in my country. Um, and the fact to have the language barrier, it was big because I had so many ideas in my mind, but um, it was so difficult to express. So, and I had to decide, I need to go and go to the basic, go and take English courses. Even though I took some English at my uh, country in at college, but when I came, it's like, oh, I cannot. Everybody was talking so fast. And, um, and then there was a time that I had to study, and um, I remember seeing my kids that they did their homework in an hour, and I was like five, six hours in order to accomplish one homework. Yeah. So, and then um, I treasure Philippians 4.13, that it said that I can do everything uh, through Christ. So I said, you know, it's not in my strength. God will give me the strength to accomplish things because I feel that I had a call to serve as a teacher at Pella Christian. So I say, I, I will do this. Yeah. So, and then um, I am also served as a, the support teacher in the Spanish Immersion Program. And, 
and I see some students who sometimes are below the benchmark, and I see that some of them struggle, and I can be on their shoes mm -hmm. and say, I know what it is. Mm -hmm. I know what is, you know, learn another language. But, you know, we are not alone. Mm -hmm. God gives us a strength. So I apply that, that we need to recognize in not just academics, in all the areas that, mm -hmm. you know, God is the one who gives us strength. And, you know, and sometimes we feel that we are the one who can do everything. But when we come and say, no, I'm just, you know, a human because you are a human. You understand me. Yeah. So as you say, you know, uh, God came as a human. As you were talking about the limitations that he said, I even don't know when I am going to return because he wanted to be like us. Yeah. And that, it, that makes so much sense, too, because in the same way Christ, in, in even his humanity, has this incredible compassion. I mean, you talk about how your experience of feeling stretched and needing God so much gave you compassion for your students, right, who are maybe struggling in language learning and experiencing that tension. So I love that. Maybe the last question is, um, how do you stay attentive to God in the fullness of everyday life? And this is a busy season. What are some ways that you stay attentive to God? So one thing is like we have the tendency to have our phones with us. Uh, it's very common that many of us, we wake up and the first thing that we have is our alarm and our alarm is in the phone. So the first things that we have in front of us is the phone. Mm -hmm. So and you have been sleeping, so you haven't checked your emails, so many other things that World you check. Scores, That's right. Email things, yeah. So and then I make a nice stop and say, uh oh, I have my, the first thing that I have in my hand every day is a phone with me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to have an application with the Bible. And that way, when I took my, my phone and I turned off the alarm, and I have the Bible with me, and that way I start the day reading a chapter yeah. in the Bible. And then I feel that work has worked for me. And um, I was talking with some students, say, what about if you have, you know, we have so many applications in our phone, why not to have the right. Bible in yeah. our phones too? I, Justin Early talked about that in one of his books called Rule, uh, The Rule, Common Rule. It's like Bible before phone. It's really simple, but like before I do anything else on my device, I always get to scripture first. And it's sometimes those simple habits, I think, that can really change our experience of a whole time. So I love that as an example. And I would just say maybe a couple other ideas for us. Um, you know, take the chance to hear the story of a neighbor. Like we've heard Karim's story this morning. Maybe someone you've actually worked with or neighbored with a long time, but you don't actually know much about their story, right? Listen, um, take a, a new friend out for coffee, go for a walk. Um, there are ways, um, right on this bookmark, there's some great suggestions for ways that you can both lean into developing a heart that is ready to welcome Jesus through meditating on the scripture, um, remembering and recalling our purpose, developing these good habits, and then also ways to honor our neighbor as we walk and talk in love with them, 
We seek um, to serve our neighbors in the world. So some great ideas here um, to take. And then just, you know, to call your attention, there's so many great opportunities this Advent to pray as a community. There's going to be an event, a 48-hour prayer um, time to bring the light in the prayer tower. I think we've got the graphic from that. Um, We'd love for you to sign up and engage in more intentional prayer in our community. And then lastly, one of the things I feel like is important is as we're seeking to love neighbor and love God and be ready, sometimes we just realize we're struggling to love ourselves, right, and to be well. And if you feel like there are some things coming up in this season, some family pains or relational wounds um, or some just of your own things, we highly encourage there's a conference even next week in the gathering to um, unbundle some of those areas of shame or stuckness in your life. And I think there's a graphic for that to you. That's still open to sign up. So be well and seek to love your neighbor and love God. Um, Let me pray for us as we close in worship. Lord, thank you that you did come and you know our experience so intimately as you set aside all the privileges of being God to enter into our world. God, thank you for the beauty of the many stories of every people and nation. Thank you that you're writing a story in our lives and you're inviting us to be well and also to be humble and ready. And so God, as we prepare to be ready for your return, um, whether we feel it or not, God, we choose and we say, come Lord Jesus, come and be with us again. Lord, we pray it, we sing it, and would you make our hearts to deeply long for you in this Advent season.